Welcome back to Class of 1965 Arena, Hamilton, New York, here on the campus of Colgate University. The score at the end of two, Merrimack and Colgate all tied up at two. I'm Mike Macknick with John Leahy. This second intermission is brought to you by Merrimack Graduate Studies. At Merrimack, you can earn your master's degree in as little as one year. Choose from graduate programs in business, education, engineering, health sciences, criminology, and so much more. Visit merrimack.edu backslash graduate today for all the details. Uh, Mike McMahon coming in now to join us for the second part of his season preview here. Mike McMahon from themacreport.com as well as the Eagle Tribune. And uh, first of all, uh, Mike, that first period I thought, you know, not even as good perhaps as the second or third periods last night for Merrimack, yet they do come out with a couple of goals. But that second period, uh, almost disastrous with just every opportunity going by the boards, whether it's another major. Can't believe that Colgate's actually committed two majors in, in this game, and Merrimack hasn't been able to take advantage. And then Merrimack ends up wiping out two minutes of it on of, of the major on t- by taking a, a minor penalty, a four-on-four special team situation. Colgate comes down, scores another goal. We're all even at 2-2. Yeah, I mean, we've only played five periods at this point, but that was, I think, by far the uh, the worst period of the weekend for them. Uh, you know, like you said, the first period, it was okay. You know, it wasn't like, like you said, I thought that last night they had a better second and third period than the first period tonight, but um, they were finally rewarded a little bit, which was which was good because, you know, they weren't really rewarded last night on, on how well they played, I thought, in the second and third. So they were rewarded there in the in the first period with a couple of goals, but like I said, that second period, the, by far the worst of the weekend. Um, you still come out of it tied. I mean, you're still in a position to take some points on the road, but uh, definitely some things to adjust there after that, that middle 20 minutes. Yeah. What does it mean when, you know, they talk about last night with regard to the power play and, you know, it, it was respectable, but they said we've got to get more pucks to the net, got to get more bodies to the net and so on. And then it seemed like tonight, if anything, they went in the other direction for most of the, most of the time. Yeah, the, the the second power play, the one where they score, they did a nice job winning a puck battle in the corner and then setting up a play to get a puck on net. But I felt the same way. The first power play, especially, is one of the notes I wrote down was, you know, they, they didn't get enough pucks in the net, and that seemed to be a focus after the game last night. So, uh, and, and then even in the major, you know, the, the the two majors. Well, the first the first penalty of the game was a major, but the major there in the second period, even though two minutes got two minutes of it got wiped out, it's the same thing. You know, just not enough pucks getting in the net. Yeah. They have the puck in the zone. I mean, they've got good possession time in the zone, but not really generating enough with it. So i uh, got to find a way to get pucks through. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I think there was one power play in the second period. It wasn't the major. It was a minor. It was a two-minute penalty. Uh, but they had no, no shots the entire power play. And uh, shots were 15-13 Colgate going into the power play. There were 15-13 Colgate coming out. So yeah. got to find a way to get more pucks on that. All right, so nice segue, I guess, to special teams as we talk about our season preview. I think, uh, you know, overall, certainly they were both both power play and penalty kill were better in the second half of the year. But, uh, you know, it's start to finish, really, that counts. They need to do a better job, especially from the get-go here. I don't think you can wait until after Christmas, you know, to get your power play going again. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it last night being that three goals might be the magic number in, in terms of uh, what you need on a regular basis in order to have sustained success success throughout the whole season you're not going to do that with a 7% power play yeah. so the power play is is a big part of that and it doesn't need to be 25% but you know it's got to be it's got to be close to 20 <laughs> you know i think good teams their power plays are generally between 15 and 20 if not slightly above 20 so uh, it, you've got to find a way to be up there i mean the, the second half of last year when merrimack was playing well i think their power play was at 21% or something like that so uh, it's certainly not out of the question that's only one out of every five um, but you, you need that i mean on average in hockey that's about a power play goal per game yeah if you right. go, if you go one for five so that's that gives you you know 
one out of your three goals that you're looking for, and then you got to get two in even strength. So the power play is going to be huge, and, and like I said, you need you need it you need it to be consistent from wire to wire uh, because I think it's a reason you know the, the the power play struggles they had in the first half of last year, I think contributed. You know, big time to their struggles. Yeah, so that's the question I think. And he, despite the goal tonight, I mean, they're going to end up no matter what happens. They could end up one for one for twenty tonight, and it's still going to be better than last night's offer. But still, uh, I, I, I certainly think out of the first couple of games that we're seeing here, there's there's some work to do there on the man advantage. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I'd have to go back and watch some games from last year. I don't remember if it was a similar problem last year where they had the puck in the zone or just not getting enough pucks in the net. I, I seem to remember them you know, having a hard time with zone time on the power play at times last year in the beginning half of the year. So uh, I wonder if the if the issues are the same. I mean, because they, they have made some changes there. They made some changes to the personnel on the power play tonight, but one of the units still has four forwards on it, which I have no problem with. Yeah. You know, if you think that if you think you, you get four skilled players and, and four or, you know four your your skilled forward players and you want to get them out there and one of them can play the point then then fine. Yeah. Um, we noticed they've been moving Bell to the power play as well and trying to get more production from the point. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, I'm on the last one. I think. Okay, I hadn't noticed that, but yeah, I know. I know coming in, you know, last night they had four forwards on both power play units. Uh, they changed that tonight. They move Alfred Larson out. Uh, Derek Petty goes back to center, yeah. and then I think Colquist and, and Kovacevic are together, and that's a unit that actually scores. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's it's interesting. I think they're going to play with some things, and I wouldn't be surprised if they play with personnel a little bit yeah. too. I mean, if they're going to do it mid game, I don't know why. I don't see why they wouldn't do it game to game if they don't think something's working. Yeah. You know, we had said last night we talked about the twelve or so shots. That the uh, the Cini line had Cini Petty Tavernier and said uh, you know that that's good that they're getting opportunities but this is they, they need to score this is a line that needs to score for them to be successful and well they got two goals tonight yeah you know it's funny too I, I noticed this after Petty scored I, I dug through some notes you go back to last year Derek Petty has five goals in his last nine games it was, it, I almost forgot how well he played down the stretch last year he had four goals in the last eight in the last seven games last year including the playoffs so. Uh, you can see some you can see some chemistry there for sure, and I, I, I said this earlier in the week. I, I like the inclusion of Petty on that line because Tavernier and Cini obviously really skilled offensive players, offensive minded players, and I think Petty can win some draws. He's good in puck battles. He's smart with the puck, but he's also a pretty good two-way player. So you know you're going to get a guy that maybe can make up for some some things if if Tavernier or Orsini are getting uh, creative in the offensive zone and, and maybe not able to get back. You, you've got a player that can get back and be responsible as a two-way player. And he's uh, showed some pretty good skill on the goal that he scored there back in the first period tonight. So uh, you know, as we continue on on the preview here, I guess the question then, you know, as we look at things, is where you know where does this team fit into the grand scheme of things, and and maybe Walsh. We'll touch on uh, the rest of the league and how you see that shaking out but I mean is this a team you're talking about Notre Dame leaves you've got 11 teams left in hockey East, so uh, if you want to get home ice in the first round you you still you got to finish in the top eight really you got to be six seven or eight uh, oddly enough if you end up fifth then you get a buy in the first round but you end up having to go on the road in the second round to number four but so I would think at least like last year you want to be at least number eight but the question then becomes you know what is the what's the ceiling for this team how how good Good could they be? Uh, and then maybe on the flip side, we'll ask you. You know, if uh, if everything goes wrong, you know, where could they end up? Yeah, I think they're a top eight team. Uh, you know, as far as the ceiling goes, you know, I think the ceiling's fourth. I think they could, they, you know, on the high end, they, they could be as good as fourth. Um, 
you know, on, on the low end, it's hard to say. I, th- I still think they're a top eight team, but you know, if they can't score goals, then it's going to be hard. You know, yeah. and uh, but you look at the rest of the league, and I, I still think that the lowest they finish is ninth. I know that's where they were picked in the coaches' poll. I think that's low. I think realistically, they're probably fifth or sixth, uh, maybe seventh, uh, with a you know a ceiling of fourth and a floor of ninth. I just I, I think even though they, they've made some improvements, I think they're better than UMass. I think they're better than Maine. Uh, they should be better than UNH, although UNH is on the verge of sweeping Lowell yeah. this weekend. Uh, but I, I definitely think they're they're at least better uh, coming into the year on paper than UMass and Maine. So so that's ninth. So, you know, I think the, I think the floor is ninth, and the ceiling is you can be high, as high as fourth. You know, I don't know if they're as, as strong as, as BU or Providence or uh, I had Lowell in my top three too. Uh, you know, Northeastern looks good tonight and this weekend, but they're they're playing a pretty weak team in Sacred Heart. I mean, people are going to get excited about them, but I, w- I want to see them play a stronger team first. Uh, and then it's a little hard to judge results at the beginning of the year because, like we said, Lowell's about to get swept by UNH. I, I think when we get to the end of the year, Lowell's going to be much higher in the standings than UNH is. So it's it, it's kind of hard to judge these early results. Some teams are trying to get their feet wet, but from a Merrimack standpoint, it's a pretty wide wide margin, I know, but probably fourth to ninth. Well, Wisconsin comes to town next Saturday. Still some tickets available, not many. Folks want to get those quickly if you uh, are thinking about it at all. Do that fast. But uh, Tony Granato comes to town, the uh, U.S. Olympic team head coach. He will be that later on in the season. Uh, Kyle Hayton as well, who has uh, played pretty well against Merrimack in the past, beat them last year for St. Lawrence. He's transferred to Wisconsin as a graduate transfer. He's their goaltender, led them to a win tonight, and I'm sure the Warriors are going to see him again next week as well. Yeah, Kyle Hayton, the only player, only person, in that program that's been to Merrimack before too. That's right. <laughs> uh, with with, with St. Lawrence, so that, that'll be a fun game. You know, it'll be a fun game, and, and it's. I, I think it's kind of cool that they have it split up over multiple years. So they come in next year, and then uh, two years from now they come in again. It sort of gives you two big games as opposed to one big weekend. So uh, that'll be fun, and you know what? Hopefully, it leads to more things like that, more Big Ten schools and NCHC schools traveling. We're seeing it happen more and more. So uh, you know, I think we'll see it with some of the teams that are playing this year too, whether it's Denver, or CC. Uh, I'm pretty sure that those those teams are. Supposed to come back yeah. at some point, yeah. so Minnesota Duluth. Yeah, all, all yeah. those, all those good signs, obviously. Yeah. All right, thanks, Mike. We appreciate it, uh, folks. Check out his work, themacreport.com, also the Eagle Tribune, and uh, have a safe ride home too. Thanks, you too. All right, thanks. That's Mike McMahon, and uh, he's our guest here with the score at the end of two periods is Merrimack two, Colgate two. We'll be back with more right after this. This is Warrior Hockey.